What's going on, everyone? Welcome back to Stacking Slabs. This is your hobby content alternative. Yes, it is. I'm fired up. Are you excited? We're all feeling the momentum around the national. We'll be right around the corner after this episode drops. In anticipation, what we're doing here is bringing back my buddy, Kevin Randall, the Captain 37, who will be behind the showcase. He'll be behind the dealer table at the National. What I wanted to do was a little bit different than what a lot of other things that are going on in the content hemisphere right now. I wanted to get in the mind of the dealer to help you understand the thoughts, the motivations, the goals of the dealer as we walk into that big convention hall coming up next week. Kevin does a really good job of sharing his goals, sharing some do's and don'ts, and talking about what to expect when you're making deals with people, with cards. You fired up? I know I am. If you're enjoying what I'm doing, follow, subscribe, do all the things, but most importantly, tell a damn friend that you're enjoying the Stacking Slabs podcast. Without further ado, let's kick it to the conversation. All right, I'm joined by, I think, Instagram's most active and popular national dealer at this point. He's been running uh, Instagram lives almost every night, and he is a regular on the show. I've got my man, Kevin Randall, the Captain 37, who will be setting up at the national. We're going to talk about just understanding the dealer perspective going into the national. I think uh, just getting that insight from one dealer um, can help probably all of us um, when we're at that table trying to negotiate and get the cards that we want. But without further ado, Kevin, welcome back, man. How are you? I'm doing well, man. Really appreciate having me on again. I think this is, I mean, what, we got to be at like five or six now, close, right around that, that ballpark. So I always enjoy coming on. And to say I'm fired up to talk about the national would be the understatement of the day. So let's uh, let's hit it. Maybe we start with the IG lives. Uh, I'd love to just understand, like, you don't see, I don't see every dealer doing what you're doing. Um, as a matter of fact, very few doing what you're doing, but maybe for anyone who isn't familiar, doesn't follow you, not on Instagram live, maybe talk a little or on Instagram, talk a little bit about what you've been doing, just kind of building as a buildup to the national. Yeah. So, I mean, I, I'm definitely in the minority when it comes to what I'm doing. I'm not sure why that is. Um, I feel like more dealers should it's, it's a benefit to go live and to show off what you're bringing. It's only going to help your cause, right? Um, but I always start off the, the national lives with the nationals do's and don'ts. We'll talk about some of that stuff today, just kind of giving people advice from both sides of the table. I mean, this is my, it's either my 12th or 13th straight national going, and I've been about half and half, um, half a walker and half a dealer. So I have a pretty good perspective from both sides of the table. Um, but what I usually do is I do one live after that, like about three or four days before I leave for the show. And I show off my entire inventory. Well, this year, my inventory is so extensive. I have so much stuff I'm bringing because I'm driving. Um, shout out to my buddies, Jay and George, who are driving with me. So I'm able to bring more stuff. Um, and I have more space to show. I have six showcases set up this year at the show. So what I wanted to do is rather than have one long, like hour and a half or two hour live where people have to sift through and say, oh, when's he talking about Peyton Manning? Or when's he going to talk about vintage baseball? I split it up. And I think it's just easier to digest that way. So basically six nights and all it's changed now i got basketball on thursday night this week so i got to cancel that one so i'm gonna do it sunday in the afternoon the final one but um i'm just kind of categorizing my inventory so i went live on sunday night all paid manning stuff 
went live last night um, on Monday and did Tom Brady rookie cards, patches, and autos. I'll be live Tuesday night tonight with Tom Brady shiny stuff and inserts. And then it's going to be a basketball live uh, with Jordan stuff and a bunch of other stuff mixed in, a vintage baseball live, and a football live with Mahomes, all younger quarterbacks, older quarterback stuff. Um, so you, everybody's going to get a chance to see everything I'm bringing. And honestly, like I do it because it's helped in the past line up deals before the show. And it's something I think is important because it's, it's nice from a dealer perspective, walking into a show, knowing, Hey, I already have X amount of business done toward my goal, whatever your individual goal for the show is. But at the same time, like I just like going live and talking cards and showing my cards off. Right. I mean, you know, um, I'm obviously in a different spot now where, you know, doing this full time, it's paying my bills, but you know, I don't think I hide the fact I'm still very much a collector at heart and I love cards. So just being able to go live and talk about the cards last night, um, that, that Brady live was awesome last night, ton of questions being asked. Um, you know, people very intrigued by the game use stuff, the patches and things like that. So it's just fun to sit there and show off the inventory and show off cards and talk about them. Um, so I've really enjoyed that. And it just, every time I go live, man, it just fires me up that much more. Like I, you know, I'm just so excited to get to Chicago. It's the best venue for the national if you haven't been out there, um, I'm a frequent flyer in Chicago because I'd set up the national when it's out there. And then I do the Chicago sports spectacular, which happens twice a year. Um, so just, I, I, I love Rosemont super convenient. If you're flying in, it's only the, the location's only 10 minutes. The venue's only 10 minutes from the airport, a lot of hotels on that strip. Great, great food out there. Um, probably going to gain a solid five to seven pounds in that, uh, you know, seven days I'm out there, but just, um, fired up, man. And I, I really hope the lives are helping other people get fired up. And um, just a chance for people to see what I'm bringing because I'm going to have so much back stock that not everything's going to be out. Um, so I wanted to show everything I'm bringing so there's no secrets in terms of what's going to be in my inventory. I love it. Um, before we get into the bulk of the conversation, one thing that I, I, as I was like thinking about talking with you today that I feel like would be good just to revisit because I think you were the one who mentioned it to me la- just inside conversations last year. But we always talk about football. We always talk about football cards when you're on here. And I think one thing that sticks out to me and that's really memorable is I was not in Atlantic city last year. Um, and I think you made mention about like how zero people, not zero, but very, very few people came up to you at your showcase asking you about Patrick Mahomes and Patrick Mahomes cards. And most people were out there searching for these younger quarterbacks, maybe quarterbacks who haven't done much quarterbacks that, if you look on Instagram, a lot of people are posting because of the prospect nature of those. And then, you know, flash forward, you know, Patrick Mahomes does what Patrick Mahomes does and yeah, dominates. Exactly. <laughs> and with, So maybe just, I think it'd be good, just like, especially for people who maybe haven't been to the national, uh, there's probably going to be a lot of that stuff of these young unproven quarterbacks, but maybe just like share some perspective on like, that and because I think that there's like a story in there, especially on the dealer side, that would help educate people who are walking the show floor. Yeah, I mean, you know, it's really it's it's all you see right now from a lot of I don't want to categorize dealers, but like to, it's all you're seeing on Instagram is the young quarterback stuff being wheeled and dealed, right? And there's a reason why it's happening now because you know I say this all the time: hype outsells results. Um, there's so much hype around these young quarterbacks right now; they're super hot. People like to gamble. I mean, you know, there's there's definitely a we were drawing a chart. There's a parallel between gambler gambling addicts and sports cards people, right? It's a gamble, right? But it's really it, it's you know I would say like 75 percent of my feed is young quarterback stuff being moved around, which is fine. It's awesome, right? I mean, it's cool. I I like you know prospecting to a certain extent too. 
Um, you're going to see I have a solid young quarterback inventory that I'm bringing this year that I didn't have last year because it's what people want right now. But, you know, I would just I, – I, I say this every year, and I go back to you, – you mentioned the Patrick Mahomes. I could not believe that I had two rows of Patrick Mahomes cards last year in my showcase, and I sold one card the entire national because everybody wanted Herbert. Everybody wanted – everybody wanted the young – it's it's almost like – and this happened with Brady stuff, and I, and I saw this for like a solid three-year stretch during Brady's playing career. It's almost like people get bored with the greatness – and they're like, mm. all right, who's going to be the next Patrick Mahomes when they can just get Patrick Mahomes right now, right? Like, it, you know, I, I I saw a clip the other day. I'm not going to mention names, but somebody talking about how much the, the risk there is in getting into Patrick Mahomes cards. And I'm just, I'm laughing, right? Like, of course there's risk. I mean, listen, Patrick Mahomes tears his ACL week one, right? Shit's going to go down. That's that's facts, right? But you're telling me there's more risk with a guy who's played in four straight AFC championships, you know, won two Super Bowls versus a guy like Herbert who hasn't won a playoff game. Just That just blows my mind. Right. So um, I've always been, you know, more of a safe guy in terms of I'm more of a long term player, like with my investments and things that I, you know, want to pick up and, and think will grow naturally versus the stuff that's going to have the huge ebbs and flows. But I just I, and I said this in my live last night, like, listen, whatever your budget is, let's say your budget is a thousand dollars for the national. Right. Which is way over my budget the first time I went to the national. But um you know, if you want to mess around with the young quarterback stuff and, and or the young, I don't know, I'm not, we, we're talking football because you and I love football. We know football better. I don't know shit about modern baseball, but it's the same thing with modern baseball, right? Mm-hmm. All these young kids that um, haven't even seen, you know, action in the MLB that are doing crazy money. It blows my mind. But like just allot some of your funds to something safer. That way, if your gambling doesn't work out, you don't completely hate yourself in the morning, if that makes any sense. So I just always try to tell people, and naturally, I I, I steer people towards stuff that I have because it's I, I have that stuff for a reason, right? Like, you know, I'm I'm a big per- I always tell people like I, I'll, if you want to ask me for advice and what to, I'm going to tell you what to buy, what I think, and then you go on my Flickr page and you see my PC folders and the same stuff's in there. I'm not going to tell you that I think something's a good long term play if I don't have it myself in my PC, not making that long term play. Um, I just wouldn't feel comfortable doing that. There's many other people who would do that because they want to sell their cards at all costs, right? But um, that's just me. So just, you know, if you're into the young prospecting game, whatever sport it is, just a, a lot, some of your funds to something a little safer, that's going to be less volatile. Um, so that way, you know, if you invest in heavy in Trevor Lawrence and week one, he throws four picks and, and they score 10 I, points. I hope he does. He's playing in Indianapolis. Baby. Oh, there we go. Okay. All right. There you go. Right? That way you don't, you don't like, oh my God, I spent all my money on Trevor Lawrence and now I'm down 30 to 40% after one week. Like, you know, I'm just, just, you know, be a little safer. And, and the other thing right now too, is you're starting to see better stuff of the legends dry up a little bit. And a prime mm. example of this is we were talking about this in my Brady chat the other night, PWCC premiere right now, there's four Tom Brady cards. That's the, the and, and there's nothing spectacular in there. There's a contenders auto is a really nice mirror red certified nine five. And I love that card. Um, and then there's a prism gold, which is a prism gold in every auction. And then what the hell was the other card? Uh, but regardless, it's like, all right, so, you know, we're seeing the market flooded right now with all this high-end young quarterback stuff, but now you're starting to see better stuff not show up as much because people have been buying the better stuff and they're hoarding it away. So um, I just, I, I always, you know, it, it, it's hypocritical of me, right? Because I have this young quarterback stuff I'm selling, right? But I don't have any of the huge stuff. I try to stick to like 500 and under price point because um, I don't want to get burned, first of all. Um, but I don't want, I don't like burning other people as well, but it's just, you know, be a little cautious, you know, a lot, some of your funds are something a little safer that you're not going to have to, you know, 
worry about during the season, if that makes sense. Listening to you talk, just like got my juices flowing a little bit thinking about, I think it'd be important, especially for, for, for you as a dealer, who's got a lot of different types of cards and tiers of those cards to maybe, especially for people who are maybe going to the national for the first time, or just getting back into cards over the last one or two years, like talk a little bit about that variation of like price point in like, or the specific cards themselves, like you in the Brady example, like the ones you mentioned that are in PWCC, like some of them there, I remember when there was like 30 of those Brady cards that showed up and now there's maybe four, but there's going to be Brady cards that people can go up and walk and see it everywhere. But then there's the really nice stuff of like certain quarterbacks, like there might be one or two, like if you're kind of newer back into it, how, how can you differentiate from like, knowing this is a card I can get anytime, or maybe this is my only time to get it. Is it like a conversation with the dealer? Like talk a little bit about that. Yeah. I mean, so, I mean, some dealers, um, th- that's kind of an interesting question because, um, you know, something I personally pride myself on is being honest. Um, and that's not the case, um, across the room. Um, you know, not just in the dealer perspective, but life in general. Um, if you ask me about the rarity of a card, I'll be very honest with you. If it's a graded card, we can look up the pop report. I'll let you know if it's serial numbered. If it's a, a nice game used patch card, I'll let you know. But like that, that's interesting to, to, to navigate in terms of, you know, it, 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 and it really is a situation where it, it depends on you as the buyer. Like some people like to have more common liquid stuff to move, right? Whereas some people like to have the more rare stuff that doesn't pop up every day. That's the stuff that I like to have and the stuff that is part of my long-term pile and long-term place, right? Um, and as I've, you know, kind of navigated through my own personal life and, moving into this full time, like I've had to pull some of those more rare pieces out um, to move now because naturally it's, it's paying the mortgage. Right. Um, so I'm going to have some stuff this year that I break out literally once a year and it's for the show um, because, you know, super massive high end stuff doesn't move at small local shows or even some of the bigger shows. Right. And cash flow has changed for people over the last year. That's no secret, but um, you know, you just have to decide what you want. Right. So it's, it's kind of a, it, it's a, it's a personal choice, right? Do you want to have the more, the liquid stuff that, you know, you can move, um, easier that there's a lot of comps for, um, or do you want to have something more rare that might be more difficult to comp, but that might pay off more in the long run. It's that's, that's really, you know, you could pull 10 people and, and it'd probably be a 50, 50 split. I have buddies who strictly want to deal with stuff that has comps over and over again, because it's easier to move. Um, and I got friends who, you know, like myself who like to find the rare shit and, and lock that away. And, um, and listen, there's something to be said about like I, I I'll be very honest. I have some cards that I was very difficult to comp, and some of it's a guessing game. It's not a perfect science, right? But when it comes time down the road, 10, 15 years to move some of these higher end rare pieces, right? You know, you get into a game where it's almost a name your price game. And if somebody really wants it, like, you know, listen, I, I there's not comps out there. This is my number. If it works, cool. If not, it doesn't. Um, it can be difficult to move some of those rare pieces down the road, but at the same time, if you're willing to be patient, you can usually do pretty well with them. Awesome. And I'm going to talk a little bit more about just like the dealer communication, but maybe before we get into the weeds a little bit, you mentioned you talk, you've spent a lot of time at a lot of national shows. Um, I think everyone's experience is always different, but maybe we start off by just like hearing about like, what was a great year for you? Like as a dealer at the national and like what made it a great year? Obviously you probably sold a lot of cards. I'm sure that was part of it, but maybe share a little perspective on just like good years and kind of what you got out of it. Yeah. So for me, actually my best, it's like when they asked Tom Brady, what's his favorite Super Bowl, And he says the next one, that's kind of how I am with the national, right? 
Because if you would have asked me this question last year before the Atlantic City National, I would have said the last national was my best. And now I'm going to say the Atlantic City National was the best. Um, and for me, it's it's more of a personal reason why it was the best. You know, the market wasn't as low as it was going into last national this year, but it was still dropping. And there was definitely some fear out there. And there was there were a lot of questions about the hobby and cards and th- especially the super high end realm. So you walk into the national from a dealer perspective, I'm like, holy shit, like I just put in for the year off of teaching. I'm gonna, I want to do this full time. Like if this national doesn't go well with where the market is, like I'm screwed. I have to go back to teaching. Right. And I couldn't believe what I did at the national last year. So um, doubled my sales goal. Um, and, and I'm just looking at it like I'm right. You know, if this is if this the, the state of the hobby wasn't a, wasn't a ton different going into last year's national than it is now. Um, cards are lower, but in terms of the overall state of people, be a little fearful and things like that, and where things are, it wasn't different. But all last year showed me was that the national is the fucking national. That's it. People are there to do deals, to buy cards, to trade cards, to flip inventory. Like no matter where the market is, the national is always going to be the national. So for me, leaving that show, that really solidified my decision to leave teaching and to to go into this full time. Because if you have the right stuff and you know how to talk to people and you're courteous and you know you, you're you're sociable and you know all these things that um, I feel that I am right that, that and why I made this move I'm like you can be successful in this um, you gotta have knowledge too I mean I'm, I'm a huge sports guy I mean I've been a sports guy for a long time right so that that's a huge factor here too and I love it right a bad day at a card show is me sitting there talking sports and cards with people um, whereas a bad day teaching I, I could list you about forty things that could go wrong in a day of teaching that would last what you through an entire week right. But um, really, for me, last year's national was the best just for the fact that it solidified my decision to be able to do something I absolutely love and have loved since I was five years old uh, for my full time job. And, you know, the other thing I'll say is, you know, before I um, got to the dealer side, the national, uh, I'll never forget my, my favorite national as a walker was the year I went with my buddy and his kid and uh, we stayed together all week, had a blast. And we um, just, Going back to the hotel room after shows, laying out all your new pickups on the bed, going through stuff, um, buying some boxes to break with friends back when it was affordable. It's a little, little tougher to do now. Um, but those memories stick with me. And I, you know, and, and going into this year, man, like I can't wait for our little uh Thursday night hangout. You know, like when people we we hang out, we get our Peyton and Brady chats together. Um, you know, we have some drinks, people bust some boxes, it's just fun to be around. It's pretty rare in life that you can be in a room with, uh, what are they saying, like 50,000 people that have the same common interest as you. And we get to do that for a full week. And and, and it's awesome. And I, I just, I can't wait. I love what you said about the national is the national. And it's almost like it's an outlier of what you see and what's happening like in the current time frame in the market, which I think is something that everyone should probably take note of just uh, while they're at the show, um, obviously you want to sell cards. That's why you're there. But uh, what are you looking to accomplish like from a dealer perspective while you're at the show? Yeah. So for me, um, I'm more of setting a um, inventory turnover goal versus a sales goal mm-hmm. this year. You know, I have so much Brady and Peyton because I love them. Right. And they were my PC guys, you know, and they still are. Right. But I would like to like I'm definitely more receptive to taking on trade this year versus um, previous years. And I think you have to be as a dealer. You know, I, I've dealt with a, I, I, I'm actually, the fact that I'm bringing some people with me this year to help me, I can walk the show a little bit on Tuesday during dealer setup, something I haven't been able to do literally in six years. Um, but even the last couple of bigger shows I went to, I was able to walk a little bit and it still blows my mind the amount of people who 
um, won't take on trade. It's like you got a three thousand dollar card, you you want straight cash, and that's it. Like, you know, you, you got to read the room, man. Right? Um, there's gonna be more cash in this room than there is at the other shows, even with the way things are in the economy and things like that. But I think that from the general person, the budget might be a little less this year. So if you're not willing to take on trade, like you're not gonna be able to turn over inventory, right? So my goal is, you know, I have a certain number in my head of stuff. All right, I'm going with a thousand dollars in cards. I want to turn over, you know, thirty to forty percent of that and, and get new stuff in, whether that's sales and cash back or new cards, just to kind of freshen up the inventory. Um, you never want to leave a show feeling like you didn't come home with some new stuff or move some stuff, right? So for me this year, it's it's less about a overall sales number because I, you know, I, I set my sales number for the year for my first year doing this, and I'm I'm doing pretty well. So I'm not as concerned um, with the cash flow coming in. I'm more concerned about, hey, I want to get some new stuff, some fresh inventory. That way, you know, as a dealer, you don't want to have the same shit in your showcase every show, right? It's a really, really bad look. So that's more so my goal um, is inventory turnover versus just straight sales. Uh, I'm I'm super curious on this front, and I don't know how you manage it all <laughs> with you are, you've got your showcases, you're selling cards, there's people coming up to you that with opportunities to buy or trade. You mentioned you've got help, so you might be hitting the show floor. I think it'd be helpful just to understand, like from your perspective, especially thinking about turnover. Um, how how does the dealer kind of access where, where you're at as the the days pass, as the show's going on? Like, how do you know how you're doing? So it is extremely difficult to keep up at the national. It it, it I feel like. As I've set up more and more, it's almost like I get more and more overwhelmed, especially now as I have a lot of different inventory. It's it's tougher to keep track of. Um, so what I do personally, this is just my system. Um, any deal you do with me, I'm taking a picture with on my phone. And you know, let's say I, I moved a $3,000 Tom Brady card and the guy gave me $1,500 cash and a few cards. So I would put, I, I would take a picture um, on my phone of that whole deal, um, not the cash involved. I don't take pictures of cash. And I just write down, all right, these cards plus 1500 cash. So that way I know in my head, hey, I moved this card for this. But then you get into the game of usually at a show, I have time to now go home, process that inventory and figure out what I'm into it for and things like that. That doesn't happen at the national, right? Like you may, I mean, I've had times at the national where I, I close a big deal with somebody and the guy next to me is like, hey, you just picked it up. Can I buy that? And now you're doing a whole different ballgame. It's like, it's like <laughs> deals upon deals upon deals that kind of just spiral <laughs> spider web out of control, right? Uh, but I take a picture of everything. I record it. Um, I'm bringing my laptop with me this year so I can do a little finance work post-show before the nighttime festivities of dinners and drinks and whatever other shenanigans happen um, start. Um, but it's it's just, it's so important. I would suggest that everybody takes pictures of their deals, right? Even if you're not a dealer and you're a walker, like whatever you do, take a picture of it and just record it. So you have in your head, you kind of digest it that night or the next morning or when you get home from the national, whatever else. But I used to do like pen and pad, but like it just took too long to write out. So I really picture, write it down, what I get for a cash, what was a trade, whatever, and then move on to the next deal. And, you know, um, people have to be a little understanding there, too, because there's going to be times at the national where I have five, six people deep at the booth who are waiting to talk to me. That's why I'm, another reason why I'm bringing some help this year. Um, I had one national where I, I only had two showcases and I felt really bad because I was by myself. I was so fucking overwhelmed the whole time. And, you know, I had one poor guy waiting like a half hour to talk to me to look at my showcase and I just felt terrible. So I'm hoping that having help this year kind of streamlines and moves things along. This is also going back to lining up deals ahead of time, right? This is why I'm showing off my whole inventory. That way, um, you know, if you see something you like, we can talk about it ahead of time. So I don't waste your time. You don't waste my time. Time is money at the show. 
and time is really of the essence, right? Like, you know, not even from a dealer perspective, you're a walker and you're only spending two days there. Like you're going to, I mean, two days is this year with the national being, I think they said 30% bigger. It's going to be tough to get through the whole room in two days. It truly is. So you get a chance to see one dealer's entire inventory and see, and listen, you don't like anything. We deal. So not telling you have to buy a car for me. Right. But at the very least, I'm trying to show off everything to help people save time and obviously help myself line up some deals ahead of time um, to kind of meet that inventory turnover mark that I was talking about. But um, it's not easy to keep up, especially when you close a deal and someone is right afterwards want to do a deal on something else. That's why, um, you know, from a Walker perspective, just understand that once a dealer closes a deal, they may need 60 seconds to process it before they get to you. So like, you know, I always try to be polite as possible to people. Hey, just give me one minute to so I can write this down and then I'll get to you. Um, but it's it's very, very, very overwhelming, especially if you're on your own. And I'm fortunate I'm not on my own this year. I feel like uh, one of the key things that I want to talk about is just like communication in general. It just seems like communication and understanding. You, you mentioned reading the room earlier, but like communication plays such a critical role in dealers, you know, selling the cards you want to. And then, you know, people are walking the show, buying the cards that you want to maybe talk a little bit about just like, and and I don't want to generalize because it's probably different for every dealer, but for you, like it, advice on ways to communicate with you at the show to end up where you kind of want to be like, what are some, you've been doing this for a while. What are, what are some pieces of advice you'd offer? Yeah. This was actually one I, I wrote down a few notes about in this uh, <laughs> <laughs> questions you sent me before because I think this is important and this is what I touched on a lot of this um, in my national do's and don'ts live from both sides of the table. So first off, you know, it seems like common sense, but it, it really isn't. Just just common courtesy goes a long way and, and being sociable goes a long way with me. I'm a sociable guy. I know everybody isn't, right? And I, and I get that. I've had many people DM me, first card show, very nervous, any tips? I get that, right? But, you know, hi, how you doing? You know, how's the show going? You know, little things like that go a long way just in starting a conversation, not just point to a card on my showcase, what's your lowest on this? That's probably not going to get a deal done, just so you know, right? So the more of an asshole you are, the less likely we are to get a deal done. And, and, and listen, vice versa, right there. You know, I've heard, I've, I've had horror stories. I've heard horror stories of people dealing with dealers who are just total jerks. And like, I, I'll never understand that because who wants to give their money to somebody they don't like, mm. right? It, it makes no sense to me. So common courtesy goes a long way. And then, you know, the Big thing for me is nothing is worse than when I spend 10 minutes negotiating a deal with somebody, a high-end card, say a $5,000 card, and at the end they say, you take PayPal, right? Like, if you don't have cash to go after a card, be upfront right away. Hey, listen, I'm interested in this. Um, I got some cards and I can only do Venmo. Is that something you can work with? Like, just, you know, simple questions, right? Like, let's not spend 10 minutes of each other's time closing a $5,000 deal for you just to say, do you have cash app, Right. Like, let's be upfront with each other. And I, I've talked about this. Cash is king. It's just easy to deal with. When I'm trying to buy cards off people that are coming to my booth, like they don't want Venmo and PayPal and all this shit. They want cash because they want to spend the cash at the show, right? So it's just cash just makes life a lot easier. And really, like, try to get a vibe for a dealer and their pricing by looking at their showcase, right? Like, you're going to see, like, I really, you know, if a card sells for a thousand bucks, I'm probably going to stick at like 1100. It's not going to be far off, right? Whereas some people might sticker at fifteen hundred. I, I just that's I I try to sticker my stuff closer to comp. So like when people try to nickel and dime from there, I'm like, would you rather have me price this at fifteen hundred and then I'll tell you a thousand? You think you're saving five hundred bucks? Like I'm trying to price my stuff close to market. So the nickel and dime game it annoys me more so than it might annoy other dealers because I have my stuff. I try to have my stuff priced fairly 
to begin with. And if I don't, I'll let you know. Like if there's something you're like, oh, that seems a little high, I'll explain. I have a, I have a reason for every single thing I have priced in my showcase. Um, and I'm very upfront about that. So um, there's no bullshit when you're talking with me. Um, I'm going to be very upfront with you in terms of why something's priced. And what I've been seeing a lot more lately, and I don't want to stereotype here, but it's from a certain age um, that I've been seeing this from, the lowest comp game. Like I had nice. somebody come up to me at a local show recently, and it was like $125 Justin Herbert card. He's like, well, you know, I see that they, they did 101, 109, and 111. Could you take 85 bucks? And I'm like, well, it's, it's very interesting. You didn't mention the 131, the 135 comp in the last five, too. So I don't think we're going to get a deal done. He kind of just looked at me like I just I, I kind of put him in his place a little bit. Like, don't play the lowest comp game. Right. Like in, you know, and listen, it, it works both ways. Like a lot of dealers are going to try to play the highest comp game. Well, yeah, this, this sold for twenty five hundred. So I want twenty three. You get the deal. Well, yeah, there was also four comps in there for nineteen hundred, two grand and twenty one hundred. Right. So it works both ways. But playing the lowest comp game or the highest comp game with people is rarely going to be successful for you from the dealer perspective or the walker perspective. And nothing annoys me more than when I'm trying to trade with somebody and A, they don't know what they have in values, right? Mm -hmm. So I think, you know, this year more than ever, please, as a walker, come in prepared, knowing what your stuff is worth. And guys, cell phone service is always an issue at the national. And I would imagine with the venue being bigger this year, that's not going to change. So knowing what you have is going to be super important to make sure you don't get screwed over and to, to help, um, you know, shave off some time in terms of getting a bigger deal done if you want to use some trade pieces toward a bigger card. Um, but nothing annoys me more in those situations when someone is trying to use all the highest comps for their cards and then use all the lowest comps for my cards. Let's be fair, people, right? Like, you know, I'm a, I'm a last five comp guy, you know, as long as they're recent, right? Like if there's five comps and four are in July and one was in April for double, I'm not going to take the April one, obviously, right? But, you know, when I'm pricing my cards, if there are you know, comps for a car that range between a thousand and thirteen hundred are probably going to price it like a twelve in the middle, right? So, like, you know, just being fair and it goes back to common courtesy, right? And just being honest. I mean, with in in man, like in this social media day and age, you don't realize how quickly word can spread about you if you screw somebody over a deal, right? Um, so just being fair and honest and, and you know, courteous in these deals, especially when you do these super high-end deals. It goes a long way in terms of repeat business and just trust. And trust is a huge thing. When you're spending your money on stuff with people, trust is a huge factor. So, um, you know, being as fair as possible and understanding that it's not about highest and lowest comp. It's about, hey, this is the average market for it. We'll see if we can work with this number. I think stuff like that goes a long way. I think maybe you can help out because this is something that I don't think gets talked about enough. But, you know, you've got a lot of your, your uh, showcases and what you have inventory wise has evolved definitely over the years. But if I were to just walk by your showcase, take a glance, I'd be like, this guy's a football guy. He's got a lot of Mannings. He got, he's got a lot of Brady's. Yeah. I'm sure people come up to you and spot Brady and like, oh, I want some Brady cards, but then they want to come make a trade with you, but they might like the cards that they have, like just there's, there's no connection to what you're selling. So maybe yep. talk a little bit about the importance of that. And like when someone comes up and wants a card and wants to offer trade, uh, like having some sort of, uh, having some sort of connection back to what you're selling and the importance of that. Yeah. So this is another reason why I go live, um, and show up my inventory, right? Because normally dealers, what they have out in their showcases is the stuff that they want back. Right. So for the longest time for me, um, when I was more of the collector and not doing this full time, when I was moving to high-end Brady, it was like, 
I'm getting high end ready back or I don't want to do anything. Right. Um, and I definitely cost myself probably a lot of deals that way. Um, the best thing I've done over the past year was expand more basketball now, vintage baseball. Um, just, just as the more stuff you do, the easier it makes life when it comes on to taking a trade. Um, so I talked about this um, a little bit in one of my lives, but all dealers have certain cards they hate in their showcase that either they're upside down on, that they've had too long, they regretted picking it up. So sometimes you'd be surprised what a dealer could take on for a car because it's might be a car that they're so mm. sick of that they want to get rid of it. Right? <laughs> so I, I always look at, because listen, you may be asking about that card in my showcase and you know, hey, I don't usually do modern baseball, but you know, all of a sudden this Mike Trout mm. or Juan Soto looks pretty good because I want to get rid of this goddamn car, right? So, you know, there's that. But general, generally speaking, like when, when I was walking shows and I got my trade bait in my bag, I always scanned a dealer showcase first to see what they have, right? So 9.9 .9 times out of 10, I don't want your modern baseball. I have nothing against modern baseball. It's just it's not, I'm not interested in it. I don't watch it a ton until playoff time comes around. Um, like, I don't want your hockey cards. I'll take Gretzky stuff, like, you know, uh, uh, Gretzky rookies and things like that. But I don't do any type of hockey. So, like, it's not that I don't have any, anything against those sports. I know there's money to be made. There's a huge collector pool in those areas. It's just not for me. Because for me, I really deal with stuff that I have a solid knowledge based on. So I'm comfortable with it. Right. Because at the end of the day, you know, once we do the deal, I'm stuck with those cars now and I got to move them. Right. So that's why it kind of took me so long to expand. But oh boy, am I glad I did. Like I did a ton of research on vintage baseball before I get into it. You know, the same thing with Jordan stuff. I'm heavy into Michael Jordan stuff. Now I want more of it. But yeah, general rule of thumb, scan a dealer's showcase and see what they got. But I mean, you can always want, hey, you know, I got a couple of things you might be interested in, maybe some other stuff. Would you mind taking a look? It's I'm always willing to take a look at everything, um, especially the other thing, too. You know, a lot of people, um, you know, they have other people with them in the booth. Right. So, you know, you might have a, a, a guy who owns a company who has four workers with him. Right. Maybe one of his workers is into something that um, he's not. And maybe it could be kind of a little three way action. Right. So, you know, you, you never know. It's always worth showing your stuff. But I think general rule of thumb, you know, scanning the, what the dealer has for inventory out is always a good idea to kind of see if, hey, you know, I think I might be able to work something here or it's probably a waste of my time. I want to hit the kind of uh, pricing negotiation uh, button a little bit harder. Uh, you you mentioned like the way you price your cards and, you know, you're, you try to be as close as, as possible. Everyone should know that that's not the case for every showcase you walk up to and every dealer at the show. But I think there's like, I've never thought about this, but like there's different relationships that the dealers have with the specific cards. And I would, I, I would just like to understand a little bit, like the varying degrees of flexibility from like, you've got some more liquid cards, which I'd imagine like, it's pretty straightforward. Like this is what they're going for. So this is what I'm selling it for. But then when you move up, and you get into more higher end cards, like the, the cards that I think about when I think about your showcase, I, a cool card that you picked up. I, I think it was in Indianapolis, but that like Brady Lux card, which is incredible yep. with the incredible game use patch auto, like that card's amazing. Like I, I just want to maybe understand a little bit, like you as the dealer and getting deals done in the negotiation and how it differs as kind of maybe you move a little bit up market in terms of cards and cards that you personally think kick ass. Yeah. So when it comes to the liquid stuff, I always try to get into it at a good price point so I can move it a little under cost because what, when you, when you're a dealer and you have more liquid stuff, you got to understand that stuff's in the room too. Right. 
So it becomes almost like an arms race, right? Like I want to have my stuff priced the lowest. We want to buy this for me. Right. Mm. So, um, you know, there are certain liquid cards that like I'll have stickered right at market. And I probably I'll move it, you know, a little less just to move it. Right. Because I want to keep that stuff going. But when it comes to the rare stuff, it, 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 it's tough, you know, so I'll give you a prime example, right? So that uh, I picked up another Lux recently. Um, I, that was a BGS eight. I picked up in Indy um, in the fall last year, but um, myself and my buddy, Chris, the stress cards, um, somebody did like a 24 hour auction of an 8.5 Lux on card patch auto on eBay. Oh, and I, I called Chris and I'm like, we need to win this card. I'm like, it's going to go super low. I don't, I have no, like it, it just, it still blows my mind how people don't have an understanding how to move their cards right now. There's a rare Tom Brady rookie card that hasn't sold publicly in probably like eight months that just got thrown into PWCC weekly auction. This should be in premiere. It just blows my mind that people have no idea where to move stuff right now. So people who hawk auctions, and I, I don't hawk as much as I should. My six and my two-year-old kind of handicap me there, but there are deals, right? So Chris and I won this card. How much, so how much under did it go for than what you thought the value was at the time, like percentage-wise? We got it for like 60% of our bid. Damn. So, and it's no secret. The cut was around 10K. It's not like people can look it up. It's public knowledge, right? So then, wouldn't you know, a Lux PSA authentic with a nine auto, real shitty auto, pops off for like 17 grand, like um, within like three weeks later. So we got a deal. So like, it's not like I'm not moving that car for 10K, what we paid for it, right? Because we know we got a deal, right? It's going to be stickered 15K. Right. So like there are deals to be had right now because of all this panic selling and the fact that people don't know where to sell their shit um, or, or, or getting bad advice who, you know, the loan sharks are calling. You got stuff that you got to pay off and you got to you got to, you know, move cars. We've, we've seen that happen a ton over the past year. But when it comes to price and the rare stuff, it's not always easy. And those are conversation pieces. Right. So I'm going to have some super high end rare stuff that has no comps out there that I'm, you know, there'll be a sticker on it because I'm, I'm a big believer in sticker and everything. Even if something's stickered high, have a sticker on it just so people understand a starting point. But, you know, the liquid stuff is easy. Like you said, there's a million comps, you know, but in terms of moving it, I'm always going to try to move it a little lower just so I can move it. But when it comes to the rare stuff, it's more difficult to comp. But at the same time, you know, I, like I said, there's always a rhyme or reason for why I have something stickered, the reason why I have it stickered. And I would hope that's the case for um, most dealers out there, but it's not. I mean, some people just going to go there, set up museums, hope to catch the um, unknowledgeable person massively overpaying for a car so they can feel really good about it. But um, once again, that goes back to the whole trust thing, right? Like, you know, if you want to try to burn people and, and make a huge profit, don't expect to have repeat business once they find out. So I feel like, I don't know how you feel, Kevin, but I feel like this national, just in terms of like the momentum excitement from people that I communicate with is higher than I've seen in a long time. There's just, people are fired up. And like, I think people are excited to go, they've got their list, hunt for the the cards that they want to. And I don't know, it may, seeing other people excited makes me excited. What do you think the vibe is going to be um, at the national? Like, do you expect this national to be different than ever? Like people are saying, people, I think people always say like the cliche thing, biggest ever, this is going to be the national, the biggest thing ever. But like, I guess, what are your expectations for the show? Yeah, well, I guess that's less cliche this year because it literally is going to be the biggest ever, right? <laughs> yeah, I guess. Yeah, right. <laughs> there's literally there's two rooms this year, right? So I guess we have to say, yeah, it is the biggest ever. Um, but it just goes back to what I said before, you know, and kind of the anxiety I had going to the show last year with where the market was and then how the show worked out for me. The national is the national. Um, if you're a dealer 
and you have your stuff priced accordingly and you got good inventory, you're going to do well. I, 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 I firmly believe that. You know, I do think that from the average walker, um, there'll be less cash this year. So more trade. So if, as long as you're cool with taking that on, you'll be able to flip inventory, which is what something I plan on doing. I think the foot traffic is going to be tremendous because I think this is the best venue for the national. I couldn't, I mean, listen, you know, there's no secret that Atlantic City was a dumpster fire last year. And the, the fact that that place was still packed and the foot traffic was insane just blew my mind because I was a little nervous about the venue last year too. You, you didn't, I don't think you heard much good about um, Atlantic City in, in what people experienced post-show um, last year, but you know, that's not the case in Rosemont. Rosemont's a great area. It's clean. There's places to go. There's food, the hotels, like it's just, it, and the, the venue super convenient and um, pretty easy to navigate. It's just, it's awesome. So the bottom line is the national is the national deals are going to happen. Um, if you get the right stuff and it's priced accordingly. Um, but you know, I will say this, um, get the better stuff now. And we talked about this a little earlier, like I'm really over the past two or three months, um, starting to see better stuff dry up. It's tougher to come by. And, and I kind of get a gauge by what I'm seeing on auction sites. We talked about the fact that there's only four Tom Brady cards in the PWCC premier auction, the lowest I've seen in well over a year. I mean, there could be more flashed in, obviously, from the time we have this conversation to when this airs, but mm. regardless. But just the quality of stuff that's walking up to me, it shows it's not that good. <laughs> and it's I'm like, all right, people are really starting to, you know, the market came down. People are getting into the cards they want to get into at safer price points. They feel good about it and they're stashing them away. The better stuff, right? I'm, I'm seeing it's the same. It's a lot of redundancy with the stuff that's walking up um, that people want to move and people want to trade and things like that, which is fine. I get it, right? But at the same time, it's like, Where's the better stuff right now? So all I'll tell you is you see one of these grill cards for your PC that you've been waiting for. Like now's the time. I truly feel like now's the time. Wait, listen, I'm not going to sit here and, and say 100% we're at the floor, but it's starting to feel like that. And I can get a gauge too as I'm pricing cards. Like, you know, I really, I did more um, raising of prices as I'm pricing my stuff than lowering. So that, I mean, in my eyes, that kind of shows that, all right, we can kind of hit a floor a little bit. We're starting to see some stuff creep back up, um, especially that rare sought after stuff. And for all these charts and graphs you see about how, you know, the Tom Brady Ricky refractor is down a million percent and shit like that. Like there's still plenty of stuff that's doing very well out there. Like Peyton Manning Top Scrum Superfractor, the one that Drake bought, right? Set a record for highest superfractor. So like the rare shit, people still are going hard after, right? So that that's why I I say I go back to my conversation with just a lot, a part of your budget for safer stuff, more rare stuff, not the modern prospect stuff. Just so, um, you know, long-term plays I think are great to make right now. And I've, I've spent a ton of money over the past three, four months, not just stock enough for the show, but stuff I want to put aside long-term. I think it's a good time to make some, some long-term plays with the way the market is right now, but can't wait for the show, man. I think it's going to be absolutely unbelievable. You know, once again, every time I go live and have these conversations uh, with guys like you, which just fires me up even more. And I just, I, I can't wait to get to Rosemont. Where can people find you in the uh, sea of madness? Yeah, so I will be at booth um, 3006 and 2907. Um, it's going to be like the second room, like right when you walk in, we'll be right in the front. Um, so I'll be pretty easy to find at the show. And like I said, I encourage people to um, check out the lives, check out the inventory, DM me with any questions at all. And and listen, you know, I've had a lot of people, I I. I guess this is a great statement about where the hobby is. I can't believe how many DMs I've had that say this is my first national, right? So once again, back to, oh, the hobby is dead and blah, blah, blah. It's total bullshit, right? Like, you know, you still got people fired up. And the amount of DMs I've had with, hey, 
this is my first national. What do you think is good to target right now? Listen, I'm always going to give you honest advice. And, you know, I, I sounded like my live last night for the Brady game. He was live. I sounded like the biggest pumper of Tom Brady game. You stuff, right? And I, I'll fully admit it, but I just, I love the card so much. And I hope that comes through more than the, the pumpy tone, but like anything I'm telling you that I think is a good buy or investment, you're going to see it in my Flickr PC folders. Like I'm not going to tell you to go spend 10 K and a Justin Herbert because I don't have, I, I feel like I always mention Justin Herbert, just the name that always pops in my head. I like Justin Herbert. I really do. I yeah, but really you got my homes in your Raiders guy. I know, so. <laughs> I, know I know. Right. But the, he just always sticks in my head. But like, you know, you're always, if you're asking me for advice, I'm going to be very honest with you. And it's going to be backed up by stuff that you see is in my long-term play folder. But um, I just, I'm really excited for the show. You know, people can reach out to me on Instagram, to captain 37 with any questions, comments, whatever. Um, I'll try to be as helpful as possible. I also have a 15 hour drive to the show. So I'll be very responsive um, on DMs from Sunday to Monday because we're leaving Sunday night, um, late Sunday night. I'm going to drive through the night. One of my buddies is a uh, truck driver who drives overnight. So this is right up his alley. So it's perfect. So I'll be in the back sleeping, snoring, answering DMs um, while he's driving through um, from Boston to Chicago. So but can't wait, man. Maybe having a cocktail or two. Just Yeah, to- maybe. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> juice, that, juice. Hey, I'm bringing some apple pie moonshine. Wait till you try this stuff. So, all right. Oh, buddy. All right, Kevin, uh, looking forward to seeing you in Rosemont. Thanks so much. We'll talk to you soon. Thanks for having me on, man. Appreciate it. Really good perspective. Hopefully you took some notes or got some good insights from Kevin. If you're a first time attendee, long time vet, hopefully there's a thing or two that you picked up in this conversation. I'm excited. Hopefully you are too. If you're going to be in Rosemont, hopefully we run into each other. Take care of yourself. Take care of others around you. More stacking slabs on the other side.